Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Thank you so much, John. That's great. Uh, by the way, tonight or in the next service, depending on when you're watching this, uh, I'm starting a new series tonight or the next service. Thank you so much. Uh, called Walking in the Spirit. Now, it's not going to be about doctrine. It's going to be not that there's anything wrong with doctrine, but it's going to be about helping people. Tonight, I'm speaking on waiting. Why does God stretch time? What happens in those intervening periods? And I hope you can be a part of the service for that. But I've been listening over the last three months to all the different conversations that people have been having. I have not been locked at home. I haven't been in isolation. And so I've been going to lots of different places keeping all the requirements necessary, but I've been listening intently, not just to having the conversation, but to the lines of of content that people are having in the midst of them. And you won't be surprised that the number one topic in the last three months here in Australia of conversation that people have been having, number one has been about restrictions. It's about what we can't do, where we can't go, Uh, about people we know whose situation is worse than ours, about people that wanted to visit a loved one in hospital or something and couldn't. And so restrictions has been probably first cab off the rank. The second thing that I've noticed everybody speaking about has been about the economy, about job security or finances or about job keepers we've had in Australia or about the latest round of government grants and things like that. But as I've been listening to people's conversations, I've noticed that in every one of them, once they get past those first two, the third part of the conversation that starts coming almost a little bit under under the radar, if you like, has been people speaking about relationships, about the people that matter in their life. You hear people talking about loved ones that are a long way away and maybe are facing difficulty. You hear them speaking about loved ones that are in a country or in a part of Australia where uh, perhaps the pandemic is uh, in greater force and they're concerned about the future of them. I hear people talk about, you know, the fact that they're now working from home and some people love it, some people hate it. I've heard lots of people say, I love being more productive at home, but I really miss my work connections. I miss the people that I got to do work with and chat to over and over again. For some people, this whole three months or so of lockdown has actually revealed to them the lack of healthy and meaningful relationships in their life. I've spoken to a number of people who you can almost hear them fearing that they are going to lose something because at least before they could be together. And so what it's revealing to them is maybe my relationships aren't as good as I thought they were. When I asked people after last Sunday, our first Sunday welcoming people back into the church building, not the church because the church is where we are, And so wherever you are right now, that is the church. But when we welcome people back into the building, not one person said to me, it was so great to see you in front of me preaching. 
Right now, that's where you're supposed to go, oh, thank you for that. Completely unrehearsed, but nevertheless. Uh, What I heard people saying was how great it was to be together to worship or to see somebody that they'd missed seeing. I know for Kids Church, and thank you again to our wonderful Metro Kids and Families team who not only are helping minister to our children in the building here, but are still continuing, by the way, with Metro Church, Metro Kids and Families online. So you're never going to miss out. But I know that for the kids, it was like, I want to go and see my friends. And so it's no surprise really that with all the journey out that we in Australia are making at the moment, there's almost a, a, a care or a concern that somehow or other we might lose the wonder of relationship that we got aware of in this time of restriction. Many of us are going to be thinking to ourselves, you know, I never realised how much I missed those people. I had a friend of mine say to me, I never thought I was very pastoral. He pastors a great church in Queensland. He said, I never thought I was that pastoral. He said, I've discovered I'm way more people orientated than I realised. When it was taken away, I began to discover how important people were to me. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 15 puts a scripture there in front of us that talks about really the importance of relationship from God's perspective. It says this, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's number one. But guess what comes number two? It's not the angels or the glory of heaven. It's not the wonder of all that God has created. The very next thing that He says is this, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I want you to pause on that a minute and realise that God didn't say from whom the whole congregation, from whom the whole organisation, but He says from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. God starts with our oneness and then takes us to difference and diversity that celebrates and complements who we are. So in a family, I've got three children, four grandchildren now, and you know, not one of them is the same because family is not where everyone's cloned. Family is where difference gets to be developed and celebrated because it complements our strengths. Each of us have got something different. When we start, however, from difference and try and work our way to oneness, that's the opposite order to God. When we start there and try to go that way, our difference becomes not complementary, but competition. It becomes about who's better than, I'm better than you because I've got this or that, or you're better than me because you can do this and I can't. You know, when I, one of the things I love about the family of God is celebrating the incredible difference. There are so many of you that do things that I can't do and would never, by the way, even want to do. Psalm 68 verse 6, God can do nothing more special than to say this about anyone that's alone. He says, God sets the solitary into families. 
In other words, God's answer to aloneness and isolation is family, not networks or friends. I'll say that again. I think it's important to remember. God's answer to loneliness and aloneness is not a friendship network. It's not another social uh, gathering or mesh of people. But God's answer to aloneness and isolation is to put us into a family. July 1995 was so far the greatest natural disaster in US history. 521 people died in that month alone in one city called Chicago. Lots of people, you know, did kind of, there was community outrage in the newspapers and the mayor really lost his place over that whole disaster that occurred. And But after all the dust had settled down, the professor of sociology at the University of Chicago, a man called Eric Kleinenberg, went and did a study, not on the climate and the heat wave and where that had come or the things that might have been a factor in it. He wanted to know why people died in the middle of one of the most modern cities on the planet. Why did this so many people, more than any hurricane, more than any earthquake or any fire, 521 people died from the heat. And so he went back to study all that and went through all the records. It was 10 years later, but still even though it was 10 years later, they'd kept all these records. And this one thing is what this book's about. This is what he came up with. He said, the reason people died is because they were alone. The reason they died is because they were alone, but they lived in apartments. They had landlords or neighbours. They had doctors that they would go to see. They, many of them, most of them had family, but they never saw them. 521 people died simply because they were alone. Ten years later, he went to uh, the City Council and and asked to see the records. He discovered that fully 30% of all the people who died, their belongings were still in storage because despite 10 years of extensive searching, they couldn't find a loved one who wanted to come and claim their last belongings. So when we start talking about family, and about being together, there's some things, listen, we humans do disconnection better than we do deep connection. And God spends a lot of time, listen, if you just read the Gospels and go through it, because some of you are gonna go, is this a, a talk on sociology? No, it's about the Bible and about some of the imperatives that the Bible gives us. It's about some of the things that the Scripture says that we've got to do, though they're difficult. So I fully understand that today I'm speaking to some of you for whom the word family is almost a curse word. It doesn't bring up good memories. It brings up bad ones. But can I say to you today, Psalm 68 verse 6, God puts the solitary into families 
because that's the best place to work out you. Are you with me? Proverbs 18 verse 1 is a verse that I learned many, many years ago as a young Christian leader who was trying to really just, uh, you know, work out how to handle people, how to lead people. And I remember watching people who would get their own agenda or get their own ideas and then go off. And there was something about it I knew wasn't right, but I didn't know how to say it. And one day reading Proverbs, I read this verse. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, A man or a woman who isolates himself or herself seeks their own desire. Get this. They rage against all wise judgment. I don't know of any verse like that that says this one thing God says is foolish. There's a lot of things God doesn't like perhaps, but He says this one thing, when you do that, you are heading away from wisdom and you're heading towards folly. Now, I don't want to hear that when someone's just offended me. I don't want to hear that when I'm disappointed. I don't want to hear that when I've just been rejected or hurt. I don't want to hear that because I actually don't want to be, I don't know about the rest of you here, hello. There's a man cave because whoever's outside of the cave is not as nice as being alone. Boy, I tell you, I don't know what it's like uh, in your lounge room right now, but it's very quiet in this building. Stay with me. There's answers here for us this morning. And they're not just tough it out and they're not just try harder. There's answers here. But they're not the only reasons why we isolate ourselves. Go to 1 Kings 19. Don't do it now. But if you go there and read the story of Elijah, Elijah flees after this incredible victory. He flees after Jezebel says, I'm going to take his life. He goes and then he stops on the edge of the wilderness and he actually says to his servant, the only one who's stayed with him and says, I'm out of here. You stay here and he goes on alone. And he's not offended, he's just exhausted. Sometimes we just run out of emotional stuff in our tank and we need to rebuild that. But if he that isolates himself, because nobody isolates me, it's what I do. But if I choose that, I can also choose to build and develop good relationships, whether it's in the big space of the human family from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, or whether it's the church family, or whether it's my family. I'm understanding that family is inconvenient at times. My son and my wonderful daughter-in-law, uh, they've just recently had a baby. And beautiful Sloan, congratulations again to Sven and Ingla. I, I know you're so proud and what a wonderful daughter you have and what a great mum she is. But you know, when I chat to them, I get reminded all over again of how inconvenient babies are. I said to my son the other day, how long is she sleeping? He says, do you mean in one go? He said, well, last night we got three hours. And when we're, Rhonda and I are going, that's amazing. Because we had a baby that never slept an hour for a long time. 
you know, and I know all of you out there, you super mums that have got the answers for what they should do. Go and tell Ingela later, but uh, it's inconvenient. You know, Nathan told me, am I allowed to say this? Oh, it's too late, I am now. Nathan was telling me about how he changed the nappy for Sloan. And then he had waited a suitable amount of time to see whether there was any more forthcoming. Thought it was safe to proceed, put the nappy on. As soon as he got it on, I'm not gonna tell you what happened, but let's just say, you know and I know that family's inconvenient at times, isn't it? C.S. Lewis said this, he said, love deepens when it faces inconvenience. So I understand that being a part of a family is not always a bed of roses. Secondly, I understand that uh, family are the people that call you out. You know, when I used to travel a lot and uh, go to places, I'd have people literally meet me at the airport and say, Pastor, let me carry your bag. Now I'm, I'm big enough and I don't need that kind of attention. I'd say, I'm fine. They'd go, no, please let me do it for you. You know, and they look after you. I'd come home and... I'd have to carry the rubbish out. I have a saying, goes like this, you're not who you are on a platform, you're who you are at home. Why? Because family call you out, don't they? I've got kids that if I something, they go, oh, gross. They don't just go, oh, that's the pastor. He means well, let him away with it. They're like going, whatever. Isn't that right? How many people know we need that in our world? Two of you do. Thank you. And those of you at home, I'm sure a lot more hands went up in the safety of your lounge room. You went, yeah, I need that. Isn't it true? None of us like that. None of us like it, but we all need it in our life. Families who calls you out. Here's a couple of things for us as we start wrapping this up. There's no perfect relationships, only growing ones. I don't have a perfect relationship in my life. Not even my relationship with Jesus is perfect because unfortunately, half of my relationship with Jesus has a, a, a person who is flawed, who's inconsistent, not perfect, who stumbles, who makes mistakes. And guess who I'm talking about? It's not Jesus. It's moi. Huh? And I don't have a perfect relationship. You've got to understand this or else you will continue to do the Proverbs 18.1 thing and you'll disconnect because all of a sudden you discover imperfection in this person. Wow. I'm going to let you think on that a minute because it's important to realise that there are no perfect relationships, only growing ones. The importance of you was the title of my message today. Why? Because it's not just about the other person. For those of you watching along at home, I have here a little takeaway container that represents all the relationships in your life. I'm gonna show you something very deep, very spiritual and very important 
about you and about all the relationships in your world. Are you ready? If this is the emotional bottle, this is the thing. I hope you can pick that up on the camera because here's the point I want you to get today is that every one of your relationships leaks. Huh? There is not a relationship in your life where things don't leak out of it. They leak out because of misunderstanding. Your relationships can leak because of problems that you're facing right now. And so everyone gets a little bit short, as we say in Australia, a little bit testy, a little bit kind of like, you know, like, don't touch me right now. Every relationship in your life leaks. Maybe it's pressures at work. Maybe it's just because we are all different. I played competitive sport for many, many years. I don't think I was ever on a team where I loved everyone. I think every team I ever played in, every band I ever played in, there was always somebody that jarred with me. Hello. Is it okay to be this real? Is it? Some of you are not too sure about where this is going. I had someone say to me a couple of weeks ago, they said, oh, Pastor, you nailed me today. I said, I'm just a man with a hammer. <laughs> so here is this relationship in your life where things begin to leak out. And what happens over time, and I don't have the time to wait for this, but you know what's going to happen eventually, is that eventually it runs out. When it runs out, there's nothing left. And all of a sudden we're looking at the empty vessel going, why am I even here? I often remark on the fact that I've got many very close friends that have been my close friends for many years. And the one thing they all have in common is how often I have fought with them or argued with them. How often I have disagreed with them about a whole range of issues. The Bible doesn't say you've got to find the group of people that you completely agree with. Because remember what I said first, there are no perfect relationships only growing ones, all right? So here's this tank of my life. And maybe you're a part of this service today and you're getting dangerously close to empty. And you keep hoping that someone else is gonna come and put something into it. Here's really, if you wanna get something important because the title is the importance of you. And Jesus spent the very first message that He ever gave putting the initiative back into the hands of each one of us. He says, you do good to those who despitefully use you. He didn't say, and by the way, tell them to stop it. He said, come on. Can I say to you today that being a victim will never empower anybody out of anything. Jesus reverses that and says, come on, why don't you start putting something in? Why don't you start putting something in? My wife and I talk about this from time to time when somebody, not in this church, because they're all perfect. Uh, but where somebody maybe just 
does something we don't like. Rhonda said it to me just the other day. She said, yes, but you're going to be the bigger man in this. Isn't that a great statement? You're going to be the big man. I told you family call you out. Rhonda doesn't just go, yeah, well, yeah, and there are, and yeah, we, we hate them. Because she's a godly woman and she calls out her godly husband. Not that I was struggling that badly, but she calls me out and says, but you're going to be the bigger man in this. What's she saying? Jeff, don't worry about the hole in the bucket. Just start pouring a bit more in. Now, some of us, we see that our relationships are leaking. We see that there's a problem. And what we want to do is once a year, at anniversary or birthday, we go, you know what? I'm going to fill this bucket. I'm going to give them the birthday party they'll never forget. I'm going to give them flowers and chocolates. I'm going to take them to dinner and I'm going to spend all the money we don't really have to buy that thing that I know that they'll love. And you get a whole bucket full. I'd love to tip all this in there. I really would. But I have too much respect for those that must clean this building afterwards. You know what happens, don't you? You fill it up and it spills everywhere and give it about five minutes and all the overflow's gone. Wait the next day and the hole in the bucket is still leaking it all out and one week later, everything you did has disappeared and the effect of it's gone. What does the Bible tell us? It's an everyday thing. Truth is, I've learned more about relationships from my relationship with God than I have by just going doing life. The importance of you is this. Are you going to be the one who picks up the water and says, I'm going to add a bit in. I'm going to put a bit more in. I'm going to put something in. Family is not just where I enjoy togetherness. Family is where I say I'm a part of this and I'm going to contribute. I said I learned most of this from God, from my relationship with Him. Let me just give you a couple of insights into that. Psalm 130 verse 3, God says this. It says, If you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would stand a chance? I learned that I have a God who, no matter what I do, doesn't keep a record of my yesterday's mistakes. He doesn't drag out the book, unlike some of the people that we know, who the moment a line gets crossed, bring out something you did on January 24th, 2011. And then again on March 17, 2013. And you understand that they've been keeping records for all the things that you've done wrong, ready to show them to you again. But I've learned something about how to do life with people. I've learned that God gives everybody a fresh start and I need to do that as well. Are you all here this morning? Who would stand a chance? Here's one more. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. 
God's love, get this, God's love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up because they're created new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What do I take out of that? I don't know about you, but if that's the way God treats me, then that's the way I want to treat others. I want to get up in the morning and say, guess what? Today's a new day. Today, my love for others gets renewed. Today, my mercy for others gets topped up. Because even though there's things leaking out of my life, God's pouring something in. You know, uh, for our Easter production, Mitch and Michael Partha had put together this wonderful script for what it was going to be about. And they brought it to me and said, what do you think? And I said, oh, that's Pilgrim's Progress. That's the sloth of despond. And they went, what? Because they're young and they didn't have the heritage, Ash and Deb, that they should have had of growing up with those classics of Pilgrim's Progress. Mitch says to me, what's that? What's a sloth? I said, a sloth, it's like a bog of despond. Well, one of the things in, uh, in the Pilgrim's Progress is the story about how the devil was trying to put out the fire of the Christian. And all you could see if you looked at one side was the enemy pouring water or something on it to quench the fire. And as the pilgrim watches this, the fire doesn't diminish, it actually burns brighter. And he wonders what it is and what's going on. And when you look around the other side of the wall, what you see is the Holy Spirit pouring oil on the same fire, making it burn brighter and brighter. That's what John was talking about in the midst of a year for him that's been incredibly difficult in so many ways. And yet the Holy Spirit pouring that on. Amen. Let me ask you a question. In the relationships that matter to you, are you topping them up or are you standing back there looking at everything dripping out, saying to yourself, somebody ought to fix that leak? What's the matter with them? Why don't they change that? How stupid. Or somebody ought to. Or are you over there saying, you know what? Maybe that leak's never going to get fixed. I don't know. But I tell you what I know I can do is I can start pouring something into this in Jesus' name. I can start becoming a part of the answer for it. I do know this. I'm always amazed, genuinely amazed. Still after all these years, I, I can't escape being amazed at that verse we just read about the love of God. It couldn't have dried up. It couldn't have run out because every single day, the God of the universe recreates love and mercy for humanity. We live in a world that in some ways goes, I want everything but God. I'm happy to have the government. I'm happy to have all kinds of organisations. Just don't give me that God stuff. And yet God is the one standing there, not with the big stick, not waiting to punish, but He's standing there with a fresh baked daily dose of mercy and love and says, I want to bring that into your life. Don't you find that incredible? I do. There isn't a person who's a part of this service or a person on planet Earth that is so messed up that God goes, sorry, you've done your dash. 
Why? Because God knows that there's no perfect relationships. There's just growing ones. And He's in the business of growing you and growing me. Maybe you might be somebody who started to walk with God and then lost your way. And now you feel like, well, God wouldn't want me back. Oh yeah, He would. That's why Jesus told the whole story of the prodigal son. It wasn't about a boy that had never been in the family. It's about a boy who was. It's about someone who knew the best place in the earth and had left it and then gone and wasted it all. But the father was still waiting for them to come home. I know this morning that there are people that are a part of this service and I hear God saying, I'm waiting for you to come home. You think that He's pushed you away, but nothing further from the truth could be there. He's actually waiting for you. He's looking for you, waiting for you to come home. I'm so thrilled that in this, well, long before the pandemic ever started, we in this church recognise that for some people coming home is such a personal and private moment that we wanted to create a way you could do that that was specifically just for you, the importance of you. So we started what we call Yes Text. The number is coming up for you on the screen right now. If you're in Australia, it's 488 If you'd prefer to get the daily information, the daily Scripture and prayer, just fits on one screen of a smartphone really. And you get that and each day you can hear from God. God can speak to you and you can talk to Him and we'll help you with that. But you know, if you would like to get that via email, then you simply go to yes.metrochurch.org.au and it'd be our privilege to send, comes from our church, it's not from anyone else. We don't write and ask you for anything. It's us saying, we wanna help you on your journey with Jesus. Pastor Bruce is gonna come in a minute and we're gonna be praying for all kinds of needs. But the greatest need in all of the earth right now is for people to know Christ. There is a love that will never run out. There is a love that will never dry up. It's the love of God for you. I'd love you to have that in your life. Let's pray. Lord, for people right now that are in their hearts saying their yes, and in a minute, Lord, they'll go to that text, text their yes or go to their device and email it through. Lord, I know that lives will change. I know that lives will change because not of us, but because of You. Because You still love us. God, it's not about a church. It's about a Saviour called Jesus. And we are so wonderfully thrilled at how You welcome people into Your family. So I thank You for that today. Help them, Lord. Help them to know You, Lord, not just to know about You. We're not praying for data. We're praying for relationship with You. Lord, I pray for people that are a part of this service for whom family is difficult. And even to go and start to top up that draining vessel seems daunting, challenging. But God, it's what You want us to do. So I'm praying You'll help each one of us to obey You and to follow You. In Jesus' Name, Amen.